Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Byteclear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Byteclear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. What is The Briefing Room? It's a behind-the-scenes look at how the criminal justice system works and the lives of the people within that system. If you love true crime, well, these are the real people who do the job every day of making sure justice is served. Hi, I'm Detective Dave. I'm Detective Dan. Together, we have decades of experience in local law enforcement, a profession that we think is often misunderstood. So we're going to explore how to do it right, and we won't shy away from when it's done wrong. These are stories you'll hear nowhere else. Unique, frank, and unvarnished. From the team that brought you Small Town Dicks, this is The Briefing Room. Episode 1 drops on August 30th. We'll meet you in The Briefing Room. Acast helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. Acast.com And welcome back to Little Cuts, our weekly mini-sode where we dig into the things that we've been watching recently. I'm Terry. And I'm Mary Beth. This week, we are talking a suspenseful crime thriller, the final season of a badass TV show, Mm. a socioeconomic thriller, we play a game, and then we deck the halls with our next Ots remake. Hell yeah. (sighs) Oh my goodness. Very excited to chat about that one. Oh boy. (laughs) Oh boy. Uh, before we do get to that though what uh what's your suspenseful crime thriller i'm curious okay i'm finally on the mayor of east town bandwagon i have heard amazing things about it it is a show starring kate winslet on hbo max it's very much one of those shows where it's like a grizzled lady detective is trying to solve a local murder and she knows everyone and has a real hard life and you know somehow i'm still fucking loving every minute of it like it's very much that kind of show but it's really good kate winslet's amazing and somehow they nail the mid-atlantic region accent in a way that is shocking like i'm from baltimore and you know horn going down to the shore horn like that's (laughs) the kind of accent that a lot of people have and or like variations of that and kate winslet nails it which is shocking oh so it's really i i started watching it yesterday and i finished it today during work (laughs) Oh, wow. It's only five episodes, but like I could not stop watching it. There's only seven episodes. It's a limited series, but it's really, really well done. What's the the central mystery? So the central mystery is that they find a murdered 17-year-old girl in a creek. Mm. And there was a year ago, there was a disappearance of a young girl around the same age. And they're trying to figure out if those two crimes are linked. 
And, okay. you know, there's the, all the intrigue and the secrets of the town come up, you know, even if they didn't aren't murder suspects, you find out like who has done what and who's cheating on who and who has done all the weird stuff. So it all takes place in a small Pennsylvania town. So everyone knows everyone. And it's very funny because I have a lot of family from that area and they nail the family dynamics of those areas very well in a very yeah. terrifying way. And it's not just about like, it's definitely a crime thriller, but it also is very much a portrait of rural America, like not mm. rural because it's not really rural, but like really sub Bourbon America, where like the opioid crisis is like ravaging communities and poverty, okay. and so yeah, there's a lot to do with the murder, but it also looks at like the socioeconomic situation of most Americans in small towns across the country. So it's really well done. It's bleak as fuck and sad, mm. but it's really good. So I, I, I think it was like premiering on Sundays, or whatever, because like mm -hmm. I kept hearing people talk about it and it was always in like such hyperbolic terms and it's been on kind of like my periphery so i'm I'm glad to hear you liked it yeah it's streaming on hbo max and mm -hmm. so there's two episodes left and it's on on sundays at 10 so i'm all they, caught up so they've been quietly building like quite a stable of good shows i have to say hbo max is killing it and i've been seeing this on twitter this week where they have a lot of like they have a lot of good movies they have almost all of the criterion stuff like the criterion oh, collection a lot of the criterion stuff is on like all the old gods Godzilla movies are on HBO Max. I did notice that because I wanted to start watching yeah. those. So they have a, and they have some really good shows and HBO, HBO Max and Apple TV or Apple Plus are just like slowly sneaking up as having some of the best content. I can't so. talk about it yet, but um, Lisey's story, I'm watching. I'm watching that. Is that I, Apple Plus? Because I just it I is think Apple I saw TV it. Plus. Yep, and it's based on it's the Stephen King novel, and he yeah. wrote all the episodes. Also, he Clark, wrote all the episodes. Mm -hmm. The Clark, the musician that did uh, Daniel isn't real. He's doing the soundtrack for <laughs> the entire. But I can't talk about it yet. Embargoes are up, but that's also coming to Apple TV Plus, and they're slowly building out their stable of shows, too. Very exciting. And I'm finally watching more TV, so finally. <laughs> okay, but so what is the socioeconomic thriller that Oof. you want? <laughs> Ooh, Mary Beth. Ooh. Ooh. Okay, this is a show that I do, or a movie that I do think, uh, based on what I've dug into this director's um filmography i do think that you and and dak should probably cover michelle franco's work um particularly his new one that is i believe out today i'm not sure if it's i, I don't know if it's in theaters only or if it's also on vod okay. but it is new order okay i have seen trailers and i have heard things so i'm very excited Ooh. to hear your thoughts because it looks intense it is Oh God! Like <laughs> I have been trying to like write my review of it, and I I don't even know if my review makes sense. It is just it is it's a very confronting uh, film, and it's very fucking bleak. Okay, and it has a unique well, it has a very unique aesthetic to it. The the color green is very important to it. Okay. Um, it's very stylish, but what it's about is it takes place in mexico in a high society wedding where they are like trying to prepare for this very expensive very high profile wedding between two young people while there is political unrest outside because of the socioeconomic like divide between the rich mm, and the poor okay and the beginning of it takes place at this wedding and 
slowly, uh, not even really slowly, but <laughs> slowly things start to like kind of come in from the outside where it's like someone shows up with like green paint smeared on their neck that they got mm -hmm. attacked while on their way there. There's there's news reports about the, the airport having issues and it, it, so guests are, you know, not arriving on time. And then it just like explodes. The wedding turns into a fucking bloody disaster. But what's interesting is that that's literally, I thought the entire movie was going to take place at this wedding and it was going to slowly unfold. No, that's the first act. And it ends up with the bride leaving because there's an old, old servant that hasn't worked for them for eight years, whose wife is sick and she, he needs money and no one in the family wants to give him money. So she like literally leaves to go take money and go to go to him to save him or to, to get him money so that he can save his wife. And while that's happening, the house turns into chaos. She gets kidnapped. And then it literally goes from there and gets more bleak, more disturbing, and more fucked up than a movie that I have probably seen in a very long time. And this is a very divisive film. I've seen people absolutely hate it. And I've seen people absolutely love it. I think it's pretty fucking fantastic. And it is the most one of the most nihilistic films I've seen in a very long time about how terrible humanity really is. Oh boy, I'm so excited. That's my favorite. And my movie theater is opening up this weekend and they have New Order playing. So oh. maybe I will go see that <sighs> one. I Ooh. I really recommend it. I know some people have really, really hate this movie, but man, I just, it's a movie I never want to see again, I don't think. But like, I haven't been able to stop thinking about it since I saw it. It's fucked up. So I looked at the director and the first movie, his first full-length feature film is called Daniel and Anna, who are two siblings and best friends who are forced to deal with trauma after they are kidnapped and forced to have sex on camera. Oh, Jesus. So I guess that gives me a vibe about this dude. And <laughs> yes, <laughs> that's your first feature film. Okay. Yes. <laughs> and I've, I've heard a lot, like I've never seen it, but I've heard people talk about After Lucia, which I think was his second feature. And then he's done, a, he did a movie that's kind of about the healthcare crisis. So like, he has a very political minded eye. And I think his films probably represent that from what from the, the little searching that I've, I've done on him. So I do think he might be <laughs> a director of, of those types of watch once never again type type films cool and this one definitely jesus christ hell yeah i'm excited like i can aghast. <laughs> oh my god what if that's my first movie on the big screen after <sighs> over a year oh that's actually <laughs> i think you should do it because i really want to hear your thoughts on it so i'm pretty sure i know what this badass uh show is but i also am very curious about it because i've if it's the show I'm thinking about, I've only seen the first season of, so I'm curious. Castlevania season yeah. four, the best show ever to happen. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's not just because I'm sexually attracted to every character in the show, I swear to God. I mean, fair. <laughs> um, okay, so season four of Netflix's Castlevania came out last week. I watched it in two days. It is um, the be one of the best television series endings i've ever seen really series finales are always so like ugh, i feel like we've we've had more bad than good series finales looking at you game of thrones holy <laughs> shit but this one like the way in 10 10 20 minute episodes the show is able to tie up the story arcs for every character in such a satisfying way is just like 
so beautiful and good and sweet and good to my heart because I love the show. It is so beautifully written. It is so beautifully animated. And, you know, this is a movie about blood and monsters and vampire hunting. And yet it has some of the most empathetic and lovable characters, which is something that I never expected in watching an adaptation of the Konami video game property, Castlevania. I mean... (laughs) What this show does from what it is based on is so amazing and how it makes these this trio of characters trevor belmont sifa belnades and alucard who is dracula's son the show also does this really good job of making dracula both a villain and a sympathetic character in a really fascinating way and so the final season really does justice to the entire series as a whole and what makes that series so special. Um, And they take a lot of risks in terms of animation style. They get a little bit more abstract with the animation style, which I think really shows the evolution of this, of powerhouse animation. So they are, they're much more confident in, it feels like there's more confidence in the animation and that they're willing to go a little bit more abstract. And it's, it really pays off in some of these final battle sequences episode six is one of the best episodes of television i've ever seen i think i saw you tweet about that i did i did because it's very good and they're apparently going to do spin-off series in the world of castlevania but not these storylines and they definitely set it up that way where all of the storylines of these characters are tied up very nicely and then it does leave room for possibilities so i'm excited to see what else they might make in that world but castlevania season four was chef's kiss delightful is this a show that that gets better with each season because i i remember enjoying i saw the first season when it first came out i remember i watched i think in one night because it was i think it was a shorter season from what i remember yeah it was four it was four episodes yeah and i remember enjoying it but i wasn't like sold on it initially so i was sold on it initially but also the seasons get more complex with the characters and like the intrigue okay there's some really cool dynamics that go in like that develop and grow with each season so i would at least try the second season because it's longer and it starts delving more into like the hierarchy of vampires and more complicated relationships. And I think the characters okay. really start growing. I think the first season kind of felt more like a proof of concept in a way. Like, hey, this is the world. These are the characters. And then with the subsequent seasons, it's really like dives into character development. And okay. you fall in love with everybody. It's just like, it's a show that I never thought would make me cry and like emotional. Mm. It's wow. just so good. Okay, good. Because, yeah, I remember watching it and thinking, oh, okay, that that was fine. And it might be just because it was only literally four episodes. And yeah. they are short because they're like, what, 20 minutes? Mm-hmm. So I, and maybe that was the reason. It just it didn't, I don't know, it didn't grab me the way I was hoping it would. So I, I need to I need to give it another yeah, chance. Yeah, I would at least try to start season two. And if it doesn't grab you, then maybe it's not for you. But it definitely gets more in depth, and they're longer. They're longer seasons. It's not ten episodes, but still. Yeah. So. No, I mean that's perfect. It's perfect a bit. It's like the perfect weekend watching show. Awesome. So. All right. <laughs> Again, I think I know what this game is, but. <laughs> hey, what game? I <laughs> finally. <laughs> <laughs> I finally got to see a movie in the movie theater after because uh, the previous <sighs> one that I went to see was uh, a double feature of Invisible Man in the Lodge back in February <sighs> of 2020. That you did that. It's <laughs> like, ooh. <laughs> uh, talk about, you know, depressing uh, 
end of the last uh, movie I saw in the movie theater. Uh, so I, I took a little bit of time off of work on Friday and I was like, I'm going to go see this movie. And it's aggressively fine. <laughs> What's the movie called again, Terry? Oh, shit. Hello. <laughs> I went to go see Spiral <laughs> from the Book of Saw. I have this horrible tendency of being like, you know, you're in my brain. Yeah, you can, in my you brain. know what I'm talking about. Yeah, no, I went to go see Spiral and it's aggressively fine. Okay. It's funny because the reactions on Twitter have been either like, this is fucking trash or this is so good. I'm like, wow, this is, I, you know, I should have expected it, but I didn't necessarily expect it to be that divisive. Yeah. I, <laughs> I do wonder what some people were watching. <laughs> I mean, okay. I, honestly, not the hugest Saw fan. Like, mm -hmm. I enjoyed, I enjoyed the first three, I think, and I saw the fourth one, and I thought, okay, this is fine. The fifth one was when I was like, I tapped out once they introduced like the new villain, and I was like, okay, I'm, I'm kind of done with this. And I, so I, I don't think I've seen any of the other ones, um, other than the first four, uh, five. Yeah, I haven't really seen any of the other ones either. I think I've only really, I only really remember one and two. I just didn't care. Like, I just yeah. was not. I liked the first one. The second one, I wanted to die just because of the needle pit scene, and Oof. I never wanted to watch another Oof. Saw movie ever again. I own all eight of them. <laughs> so do I. What the fuck? Like, we're, we're so weird. Like, horror fans are a fucking weird-ass <sighs> breed of people who are like, I've never seen these movies, and I probably don't like them, but I own the special collection, like, special edition collector set on my shelf. The only reason I, I own all eight of them was because they, they had that eight Blu-ray set that was yep. like Amazon was selling for like 15 bucks. Like it was on sale. And I'm like, I could buy it for 15 bucks because you also get the digital copies. I'm like, all right, sold. That's actually also what I buy. I saw it at tar I saw it <laughs> Target one day. One of those Target buys where I was like, ah, fuck it. Why not? Why not? I haven't watched any anyway. of the other ones. But uh, <laughs> okay. So <sighs> I think... The traps in this are really good. They're really, okay. they really made me cringe. Ooh. There's one involving fingers that like, <gasps> I was like sitting there with like, ah, on my <laughs> face, like the entire time. Uh, so from a trap perspective, I think there's some, there's a couple really good ones uh, that really made me squirm. Whenever I think of Saw, I think of surprising endings. Okay. And I literally picked the killer out the first moment they're introduced <laughs> and then later about like halfway through the film i was like oh yep it's obviously this person and this is probably the reason why and so when the killer is revealed at the very end it was so matter-of-factly it wasn't even like a really well done like shocking moment i'm like yep okay i know what's happening now and it just it was fine I really wanted it to be really good. And Chris Chris Rock, I don't think is this is his best performance. I feel like he's doing a lot of eye acting. There's a lot of shots and he's like his eyes are like really wide or he's like hmm his eyes are like, you know there's just a lot of like he expresses so much with his with his eyes that and then he's shouting the rest of the time. And I feel uh -huh. like it's trying to go back to the roots of the uh the more like noir-ish first one because it's like the detective and stuff but okay. like I, do, I think Josh Stolberg is a really nice person. I don't know Pete Goldfinger, the two writers, but I feel like they've never seen a detective movie before because oh. the 
the moment Chris Rock introduces, he like storms into the police department. He goes, talks to his captain and the captain starts berating him like, you're a lone wolf. You're blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, OK, are we are we in any like crime movie that we've ever seen? Because literally it's the it's the captain yelling at at the, the main character for being a loose cannon. And I'm like, oh, my God. OK, this is. I literally started laughing, and I don't know if it was maybe on purpose. Like, I, it didn't feel You're like it was done. Cannon. Seriously. I'm like, okay, this is like any other detective movie that happened maybe 30, <laughs> 40 years ago, and we're still using this trope. Yeah. Okay. It was aggressively fine. <laughs> okay. 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 I still want to see it, just because. Yeah. I mean, ob- obviously. I, You know, it's, it's a continuation of it. I'm curious to see where the story is going to go from here. I yeah, <laughs> that's it. All that, right, that's that's it. Now, who, who? <laughs> what are we talking about from the early aughts, Mary Beth? <laughs> we are talking about Glenn Morgan's Black Xmas from two thousand and six. Two thousand and six. Yep. Two thousand and six. I have finally watched all three Black Christmas movies. Everyone, wow, wow, we wow, wow. Where do we even start with this one? <laughs> so the first thing I want to say is that on Letterboxd, I gave us three stars, which is generous. The people who are, gave it four to five stars and saying that this was almost better than the original, I just want to talk. I just want to talk. No. And they were like, this is such a good movie. I'm like, what? I just want to talk. I don't think I watched the same movie as some of these people. I swear to God. And I didn't even hate it. I just sort of thought it was stupid. But anyway, Black Christmas. You know, my my thought about this movie is the same thought that I have about uh, Nightmare on Elm Street. If you were going to the Nightmare on Elm Street remake, if you were going to do a scene that is a direct remake of a scene in the original, you goddamn better bring it and do something interesting and the the classic scene in the original where the the sorority sisters get a phone call that's obscene this one is so terrible right like come on now like did you not listen to the one in the original 1974 black christmas where he says things like cunt and is like whispering to himself and it is genuinely disturbing disturbing as fuck and And you're like this one it's like it's creepy, but it's not like I didn't even think it was creepy. I was just like <laughs> I was just like, yeah, it's kind of weird, but it wasn't it didn't ev- evoke the same feeling of like danger that the calls did in the first one. And like this movie it's so weird because I feel like it both tries to be a direct like adaptation and not at the same time. Like there's a lot of homages. There's the unicorn, the glass unicorn head that's used as a weapon. There's the eye, like eye through the hole a couple, oh like, quite God. a few times. And I'm like, you guys can't do. It's not happening. <laughs> like it's just not happening. It's like they're like, you remember the eye in the first one? Well, I know everyone thought that was creepy. We're just gonna have any type. There's a hole on the wall. We're just gonna have like an eye pressed up against it, like it. literally. Six different times. times. And like there's a barb. There's no barb, but there's a barb-esque character. And she gets killed in the same way. And, you know, I I appreciate the attempt at these homages. But the most egregious thing in this movie is the backstory about Billy. It is horrific. (laughs) Ableist. Incestual. 
I forgot about that part. And when when she when the, his mother is like riding the the passed out guy, and then she, he can't get it up because he's passed out, and she like looks up at the attic. I was like, no, no, I completely forgot about that. I completely forgot about the Christmas cookies made out of back flesh. Oh, okay, that was which, pretty. Okay, that was pretty cool though. Which I was talking with with Joe Lipset last night about it, and he's like, "Yeah, it didn't really bother me because once you realize that it's just back jerky, and I was like, Joe, Joe, uh, back jerky." <laughs> Ew, and he dips it in the milk, and I was like, "Oh, oh, uh, like this, like I just the back wait, the backstory is terrible." Regardless, besides that, the cookie, the cookie cutter thing, that was pretty rad. But we could have done that without. The whole backstory. I think the best part about Billy is not knowing anything about him. Like, that's what makes him so scary. It's like, who is this guy? What happened? We don't need the backstory. It just feels boring and egregious. And he's yellow. Like, they like, <laughs> he has a yellow skin condition. For no reason he's other than jaundiced. he just looks like fucking Homer Simpson. Yeah, you know, okay. I, I do, I think, honestly, for me, the backstory was probably my favorite part because it was so, like, what the fuck is even happening? <laughs> but the problem is, is that they would have been better served if they had started out with that and it was like a cold open and they had, you know, reduced mm. it to like a 10 minute cold open instead of like, we're in the middle of the story and we're learning about these, we're, we haven't even really learned about the girls and they just keep breaking stopping what they're doing to give a backstory and information dump and i'm like you're really kind of cutting into the the pacing of this film because it yeah it felt longer than it's 90 some odd minutes it yeah it definitely does it takes forever to get going it does but like okay because this is how i felt about house of wax that it felt like it took a while to get going but then once it's going like those kills are brutal as fuck like there's some good shit in this movie though like the line reads are very cheesy. This is very much what I think of when I think of an odds horror, like kind of mm. cheesy, like annoyingly sexual, like kind of makes women look stupid. And then has well, some of the women. These This one's a little bit better about making like the sorority sisters be a little bit more like. Although I will say that I, I don't believe that they're sorority sisters because they are literally the cattiest, most at each other's throat. They act like they hate each other. Their sister is Terry. I mean, I swear to God, every time that they're like, we don't have a sister. Yes, I do have a sister. It's like, shut the fuck up. There's like, none like, of that. There's been no like bonding, caring. No, like everyone just, hates each other. <laughs> it's, it's like they were like, everyone really liked Barb and her cantankerous nature from the first one. Let's just have everyone be that kind of you know, cantankerous person, but did not give them any like heart. I just, I didn't, I could not relate to any of the characters because like none of these characters are, well, none of them are real people. They didn't feel real. And they're the fact that they were supposed to be a sisterhood, just like really, yeah. they're not. Well, and also, you know how you can usually like tap the, who the final girl is like pretty quickly. I couldn't, I didn't oh, actually, really? I wasn't able to like figure it out at first. Cause I was like, I don't know who any of these fucking people are. Yeah. Like they all just felt very shallow. And I was like, Oh, is Michelle Trachtenberg going to be the final girl? Like I seriously could not like figure out who it was. Maybe that's on me, but I just, there none of these characters were given any depth whatsoever. Well, and what, what drives me nuts is that you have what a cast. Oh my Katie God. Cassidy, right? Michelle Trachtenberg, Mary Elizabeth Winstead, uh, Gretchen from Mean Girls, like Andrea right. Martin, like the cast. It's a How? great cast. That's the thing that bothered me. It was a great cast and it felt so squandered to have like a Mary Elizabeth Weinstead say a couple 
lines with a shitty southern accent and then have oh like, god that accent Lacey Chevert smoke a cigarette and then get killed immediately and then Michelle Trachtenberg have like one line and then get her face shaved off with an ice skate like it was fr- that was frustrating to me I was like oh I thought we were gonna have some depth a little bit because like I feel like in both the original and the 2019 movie we get to know the characters like we know who they are and well, we they, are, they seem like them. they like each other yes too. they're friends I keep, like, like i know i keep harping on this but like yeah i i don't i do not believe that these people could but, live like, together that's half the thing in, in the 1974 black christmas is like they all like each other and it's even more devastating because they're all such mm-hmm. close friends and that like you know despite barb being like kind of a bitch she, everyone loves she's her loved. like she's loved and then she has more to her than being a bitch and like everyone knows each other and cares for one another it isn't like oh come get your present under the christmas tree and like treating everyone like Ugh, the girl do we who have had, to do this the girl Ugh. with the thick glasses and treating her like she's some kind of pariah because she's got thick glasses and she's a I little know, bit right? weird i was like come on but like there's some there's a lot of issues but i the kills were so good and like some like the ending like some of the parts were just so entertaining that i did enjoy it but boy oh boy it's a hot mess express i'll tell you the part that really bothered me though um and i didn't realize at the first viewing but the fact that agnes is played by a guy Oh my god, so, I was so I was like, is this gonna be some weird thing where Billy is dressing up as his sister? No. No. It's so fucked up. It it just it really kind of leans into the the man in a dress, you know, trans trope in in killers, even though the character is not trans. What but a like weird... it's leaning into that. And I'm just like, this is it's gross. Like what it's a gross. weird thing to do. Like, oh yeah, we're gonna make Agnes. We're going to have Agnes played by a dude. Why? Because it's fucked up. And it's like, you already are playing with ableism and inbreeding and incest, like forced incest and sexual assault. And now you're mm-hmm. going to have Agnes played by a man to like somehow add to the horror. To like, other to other the character even more. Like, it... Because it's, like when they were showing Agnes as a kid, she had some facial deformities, obviously to be like, look, she's inbred. Mm. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that was really, that was a very strange early aughts themed choice there to just be like, let's just do this and just be even more fucked up. And it's like, what? There's no purpose other than to other, like, ostracize an other. Yeah. I mean, yeah. It's a movie. It made some choices. (laughs) It definitely did. And I remember before I watched this, that Joe had said, it is going, you're going to remember it exactly as you saw something to the effect of like how you remember it is how you're going to to watch it. And it's true. The moment I sat down, I was like, okay, maybe I'll be able to reapprise this, you know, 15 years later and I'll like it. No. <laughs> no. Like the kills were cool. The but there was some were really cool. cool creative shit with that. I'm I'm gonna say it. I think that the 2019 film is more in the spirit of the original than this one. One hundred percent more in the spirit. Yeah. So the Christmas spirit. But I'm bumped. Anyway, so yeah, that was um, 
Definitely not a three for three situation. Choices here. the movie. Choices. It's definitely we're definitely not three for three. No. Nah. But I do think we are going to have an uptick next week because what are we watching for our next uh, Ots remake journey, Mary Beth? We are watching the remake of the Texas Chainsaw Massacre from two thousand and three. Mm-hmm. I have sweaty, not... sweaty movie. Sweaty. I have not seen this in forever. I barely remember it, so I'm excited to revisit. Yeah, I I am too. I think I watched it like a year or so ago, and um, I I think it's really good. So I'm I'm excited to to revisit it again. Okay, so then who are we talking to on Monday, Terry? We are talking to Zach Lamplu, and he is the director of 15 Things You Didn't Know About Bigfoot, Number One Will Blow Your Mind, which is a clickbait mockumentary film about bigfoot and it's a really funny film it's out currently on on vod so if you haven't watched it yet um it's one that both mary beth and i saw out of chattanooga in 2020 last year and we've both been fans of it since then so i'm excited to talk to him and i'm so excited about the movie choice that he brought with him because y'all we're finally talking alien fucking finally it's very exciting very very exciting and i get to talk about bigfoot so always good always good (laughs) um all right listeners you've heard from us but we want to hear from you did you watch a film or a show that we watched this week and have some thoughts do you have any early suggestions send us an email at scarredforlifepodcast at gmail.com or reach out to us directly on twitter I am at M.B. McAndrews. And I'm a Gailey Dreadful. And of course, don't forget to follow the podcast on Twitter at Scarred Podcast. And please don't forget to review, rate, and subscribe. Thank you to Eric Power for artwork. Thank you to Sean Keller for our music. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Please stay safe out there. But most importantly, stay creepy. And until next time. powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. What is The Briefing Room? It's a behind-the-scenes look at how the criminal justice system works and the lives of the people within that system. If you love true crime, well, these are the real people who do the job every day of making sure justice is served. Hi, I'm Detective Dave. I'm Detective Dan. Together, we have decades of experience in local law enforcement, a profession that we think is often misunderstood. So we're going to explore how to do it right, and we won't shy away from when it's done wrong. These are stories you'll hear nowhere else. Unique, frank, and unvarnished. From the team that brought you Small Town Dicks, this is The Briefing Room. Episode 1 drops on August 30th. We'll meet you in The Briefing Room. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com. <laughs>